Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Team Building Podcast. I am your host, Andy Cuny, and I have an amazing guest on today with us. His name is Garrett Maroon. Garrett is from Virginia Beach, Virginia. So all of us stuck in the Midwest, we're already excited to hear about... <laughs> right. Right. About about the location, about your price points. I want to hear all about it. Right. So I can just feel horrible about myself. But I'm excited, Garrett. Why don't you uh, why don't you kick it off, Garrett, and tell us just a little bit about yourself. Kind of give us the metrics. Right. So the people who are listening can already put in their mind, Okay, where do I align with this guy when it comes to structure? Where don't I? What should I implement? That kind of stuff. Kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely, brother. So yeah, I did just get back from the beach. I went there this morning for thinking time. Yes, of course I did. Uh, but no, I mean, so our average price point is 280. It's not huge. Oh. It's not crazy. Yep. Yeah. Not, not very a crazy, similar to Omaha. Uh, yeah. Okay. So not a crazy price point by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so yeah, my team, so I've intentionally gone really lean uh, right now. So my team is literally one full-time agent, one director of operations and two interns. Um, and okay. they do everything. I spend eight, eight-ish hours a week in that business. Uh, we're a hundred percent referral. We have been since I began uh, eight years ago. And, uh, and I just let my agent do everything. So he's on track to do 115 deals this year. Many of them are from me, of course, right? But uh, last year, in his first full year, did 100. And it's just, we're just really lean. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think one of the, one of the, and we'll talk, you know, whatever is helpful, Andy, but I think one of the interesting things for me is I just didn't buy into the idea that you had to build out a big, massive business until you could mm-hmm. step away. Um, I just didn't want to wait that long, to be honest. I wanted to <laughs> right. go do other things, right? So I'm telling you, a lot of um, ears just perked up. They're like, go yeah, on. Right, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I just, uh, I, I, uh, I stepped out, you know, at the beginning of this year, I stepped out last year. I stepped out of buyers beginning of this year, said, I'm just out completely. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to let my agent do what he does and I'm going to let my ops person do what she does. And, um, you know, I'm here when you guys need me and I'll lead generate, but that's, that's it. Uh, so, so when you say you great. lead generate, what does that, what does that entail for you? Cause right. If you're going to do between hundred and what, hundred and 150, you said your agent will do, uh, he'll do 115, 115. Probably. Perfect. Yep. So if he's going to do 115, how many of those units would you say are going to be from you? Probably 70. 70 okay. to 75. Yep. Last okay. year he did 170 of them were from me. And, uh, but yeah, his second full year, he's doing really well working the, the referral system that we use. Perfect. He's got his own past clients now, right? Yeah, that's right. It's awesome. Perfect. Okay. And so when you say you lead generate, tell me what it is you do, because you're not actively working with the buyers. You're not sticking the signs in the yard. You're not meeting for listing presentations. What are you doing to lead generate for that agent of yours? Yeah. So great question. So literally it's the same thing I've done for seven years. So I created my own referral system, which is very similar to a lot of people's, but it's just very systematic, you know, broken Mm -hmm. down. So every single month, I know exactly when, you know, I could tell you in November, 2025, what I'm going to be doing because it's the same consistency. Yeah. And so, yeah, for me, it's, you know, our mailers and our emails go out. That's apart from me. That just happens. Uh, And then the first month of every quarter. So I have a, I break it down quarterly. So four quarters in a year, each quarter we do the same 
you know, same um, uh, system. So first month is a video text message to our database. Second month is a handwritten note or a Popeye gift. Third month is a client party or a client coffee for your best people. And so for me, that means, so the this is uh, month one of quarter three as we record this, right? July, mm-hmm. 2022. Yep. And I will do video text message to everybody in my database. It's 300 people. It'll take me four hours. Um, that's it for the entire month, right? The next month is handwritten notes. Now I actually literally wrote so many notes the last seven years, my doctor diagnosed me with elbow tendonitis. So I, I can't love write notes anymore. Yeah, I literally wrote so many. And so I found a company that um, uses a machine to do it, but it actually matches my handwriting. So now oh, there's cool. massive leverage. Oh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of research to find them. And so that takes me literally no time. They just print out what I tell them to, and then I mail them out. And the Popeye gifts, we create all those, but I have an intern that drops them off. I'm I'm learning this year how to find even more leverage, Andy, to be honest, because I used to do those myself. And then uh, the third quarter is a client event. Like I said, I've got another a separate intern that just does the client events. Um, and and uh, we're actually moving right now to a monthly client event model because the economy and just thinking about people are going to cut out, you know, spending on uh, experiences or fun or whatever it is. So we're going to mm-hmm. show up and provide that for them. But but again, it, it just doesn't take a lot of time. I mean, I would say the the busiest I am lead generating for an entire month is maybe five hours total. Um, but, uh, you know, when you do it right and you build the relationships the right way, that that literally produced 70 closed transactions last year for my agent on a 300 person database. So uh, we don't need to look wide. We need to look deeper down under our feet uh, right. and really find what's in there. There's a lot of business to be had. I love that. Okay. So now tell So a bunch of questions are popping up in my mind. Everybody, yeah. the next question, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the audience. The next question is going to be, oh my gosh, you have an agent who's going to do 115 units. Over half of those are going to be from you. What type of, of, um, economic system or structure, split structure, right? Do you have this agent yep. on? Yeah, great question. So anything he generates, 50-50. Anything I generate, 35 to him, 65 to me. And does and that does it differentiate if it's buy side or list side? It does not. Nope. Okay. Yep. So it's worked really well. And quite honestly, the reason, so two reasons I do it, because a lot of people say, well, your splits are too high. Well, two reasons I do it that way. Number one, he is a hundred percent referral as well. And he's going to generate, you know, 40 of his own deals. So mm-hmm. I've got to give him value and right. make sure that he's making enough money. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then number two, because of the system that we work, I mean, so it real transparency numbers last year, total for the entire year on marketing, on our lead gen, $10,000 is all that I spent. And we brought in as a team, $950,000. So we yep. got a great return and oh, I'm yeah. able to be lean on purpose, which means I can share more and hopefully keep him around. I mean, he, his first full year, he made $250,000 as an agent on a team, right? So right. he's happy um, yep. and uh, and he's doing really well. So it, it's a really good win-win. Perfect. And we we just uh, we actually just recorded a podcast yesterday with a gentleman out of uh, California. And he said uh, his biggest thing was um, too many times team leaders become their their agent's ceiling. Right. Hmm. They're so worried about creating that floor for him. Right. Oh, you'll do at least this much here and, and you'll be happier than ever. And but they don't look right. And they are their that agent ceiling and they just keep them hmm. down. And it sounds That's like, you know what I mean? Exponential growth with this person. Now, hmm. the next question is. Wow, what if this guy gets, I mean, he can only do so many deals, right? Mm-hmm. What happens when he gets to 150 or 160 and he comes over to have that conversation with you? What's your next step? 
Yeah. So absolutely. So first and foremost, um, and I love that. Yeah. I think ego, you know, I heard someone say, I forget who it was, but I heard someone say, you have two accounts, you have a bank account and an ego account, and you can only <laughs> put each coin in one of those accounts, not both. Right. right? So yeah. you're either going to step out of way and let them shine. Like my agent, Jesse loves that. He's like one of the top agents, top five agents out of 10,000 in our region. He yeah. loves that. He's dr- And I don't care, put his name on everything. It doesn't bother me. He's doing great. He's excited. That's how he's motivated. And I don't have to spend a lot of time there. So we just got to understand our people, I think, first and foremost, and find the all-stars who are out there and they're out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I would say, you know, so if he continues to grow, number one, he knows point blank, if he has a better opportunity or he ever feels like he can go find out or he can go do this on his own, he should. I'll Mm -hmm. help him, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to keep him there. I'm not going to hold him with a closed hand, a closed fist, like open palm, Jesse, go do whatever is right for you and your family, brother. I'm going to support you, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the reality is that so many times as agents, we try to be the king and instead it's really good to be the king maker, right? Exactly. Or the queen maker. And so for me, if he leaves, which I hope he doesn't because he's leveraged for me, but we're massive leverage for him too. Right? right. So he's got a good gig and, and a good agent on a team doesn't care about splits. They care about their leads and how much money they're going to make. Right. Yeah, so he wait, doesn't really care what this Repeat that are. last part. Yeah. Good sorry. agents don't care about what? The good agents don't care about splits. They care about how many leads and how much money they're going to make. Thank so you. I just, I'm getting it put yeah. on a t-shirt, right? Agents talk about split. <laughs> business yeah. owners talk about net. Like if I, I, right. I, I swear I say that seven times a day. <laughs> that's so true. And sorry, my yep. dog was barking. But no, yeah, you're good. I mean, that's, yeah, he yeah. Agrees. That, he agrees. Yeah, absolutely. But that's a totally accurate statement. You know, and Jesse has come a long way. He was brand new. I found him. He was working another job, brought him into the business, which I think creates loyalty as well. Right. But, absolutely. but certainly it was, he was making $40,000 a year. His first half year with me made 110, you know, and he didn't even know about splits, right? The people that come to me and say, well, what are your splits? And I tell them and they're like, well, I can get a better split over here. I'm going to go to that team. I'll say, great, go for it. You know, like mm-hmm. that's not who I'm looking for anyways. Um, because we're going to do it this way. So as he continues to grow, Jesse can absolutely either leave or we've already had a lot of conversations on what's your max breaking point, right? Like, what do you really mm-hmm. want to do? We talk about that literally every week. How's your family life? Are you get he fishes three times a week. So are you getting enough fishing in? How's mm-hmm. your capacity, right? We're having those questions and are you still willing to just crush it or do you want to slow down? I can go find another agent. We can just go hire you a full-time showing assistant. So he's got a lot of skills that can continue to help us level up. And if he doesn't want to, that's okay. I'm also giving him opportunities, for example, finding him other opportunities. He owns part of my JV for my insurance or for my title JV. So I gave him that, right? Yep. I'm going to start another business with the contractor. I'm going to let him be an owner of that, right? So I'm creating ways for it to be sticky where Mm -hmm. he can go do his own thing, but he's making 250 to 300 as a salesperson with me. Plus I'm just bringing him opportunities that he wouldn't have had. So it's totally okay. If he wants to go, I don't think he will anytime soon, but if he does, that's you know, that's my selling point to the next person who wants to be the next Jesse. I right. can who, help who you wants to that. have that problem, right? Who wants, who to, have wants that to have that problem? Yeah, right. it, it all sounds very familiar. I remember I started out, I was making like 50K and like, what is this, 12 years ago now? And I started meeting with, uh, and I met with Jeff and then it just exponentially grew, right? 120, 200, 260, right? And it just kept going up to the point where it was like, man, this is a grind to do just enough transactions, especially at our price point, right? To do enough transactions to get to that money 
And then you start thinking about, eh, I want to buy back my time. And what's that going to cost? And we talked about on, on, on a previous podcast about how you got to create, right? A world big enough so that the people within your world can reach their dreams. And once you become their ceiling, so that of course has led to opportunities, right? And so now I'm partnered with Jeff. Instead of being Jeff's agent, I'm partnered with Jeff on multiple companies, right? And that's the thing that that uh, I think leaders sometimes forget. Sometimes the leaders go as far as they want and they don't want to get any bigger, right? Which is absolutely okay. But they also want to hold with an iron fist too, right? And they want to blame yeah, the people right. beneath them. So I, lo- right. I love the attitude. I'm I'm excited. Dana, make yep. sure the record button's going on because I'm hearing all the things I like to hear. Oh, it's on. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So um, this, this is great. So now the other thing I wanted to talk about um, really quick is you said you had an ops person, ops person and two mm-hmm. interns. Mm-hmm. Where did you find your ops person? What do they do for you? And if you don't mind, would you be willing to share how much you pay them? Yeah, absolutely. So my director of operations, uh, I actually found her. She was new to our church and met with her. She was super sharp, super motivated. You know, we, so I'm Keller Williams. I think you are too. I went yep. through the KPA career visioning process with her, understood her personality, what drives her right. She just matched very well. She actually started as a hybrid TC and showing assistant for me when I was just out on my own mm-hmm. uh, and didn't have another agent. She's just continued to work her way up because she just fits excuse me, operationally really well. So she builds all my systems right now. She, so because of what's coming, um, you know, in the economy and trying to be really wise as a business owner, four weeks ago, I fired two people, um, two operational people, two admin, because they just weren't all-stars. And quite honestly, I realized that, you know, they're not, not talented. They're just not talented in the role that I had for them. Right. Right. Doesn't make them bad people. Just makes them not not the right people for your uh, for your absolutely. absolutely, and if I can't if I can't move the needle with them, it just doesn't make sense. And and mm-hmm. I, you know, I hold on too long too. But I just got to the point where okay, I only want to spend time with all stars, and it's mm-hmm. not a prideful thing. It's just that's who I can move the needle with, and that's you know, I'd rather have a really small, powerful team than something big. So. Casey is my director of operations. She runs all of the operational side. She starts when we're, so I'm trying to career vision people consistently once a week, just to build a bench, get to know people, right. Um, And go through that process with them. And then she starts that process for me. So she's also involved, involved in the HR part of it. And then she runs all the transactions. So she does all of that. And then she oversees our two interns. So one of the interns is mostly a runner for us. The other intern, like I said, does parties and client events. Sometimes some social media posts, which we don't really do that much of. Um, but you know, she's I've leveraged Casey and then leveraged Casey out to these two interns to do things that Casey shouldn't be spending her time doing. So Casey makes $65,000 a year. That's her salary. We just increased it. Um, and then she receives a 5% bonus on any business that I have that makes profit, right? So not just the team, any business, because I pull her into lots of different things. And I want her to be motivated for me to stay focused on other areas as well and do a great job in my real estate team so I can focus in other ways. So yeah, 65, she's paid very well. And quite honestly, she's worth every penny of that. Perfect. And, And I love that you have one operations manager who also handles transaction coordination, and you're going to be doing over 100 units a year. Mm-hmm. We hear from people all the time and they're like, you know what, how many, how many admin do you have? Oh, I have four transaction coordinators. Great. How many transactions are you guys going to do? We're going to do 150. And we're mm-hmm. like, whoa. Right. Wow. And I love, and I, and, but I think it goes back to what you said, right? They don't have rock stars. You, if you have right. somebody who can move the needle, like you said, right. They can handle this. We used to do, uh, uh, I think at our largest, we were like 740 units. 
and we had two transaction, two and a half yeah. transaction coordinators. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. But you got to have the right people. And believe me, we went through a lot of people that weren't the right people yeah, before no you find the right ones. And then you pay them <laughs> sure. well. Right. Like Gary Keller yeah. says, when you find a LeBron James, you pay a yeah. LeBron James, right? <laughs> you pay him. Right. Yeah. So I love that. Okay. Now the next one is interns. And so one of the things that I talk about all the time, and I try and tell uh, a lot of our uh, ERS clients, right. When we're training them, the team leaders, and we, they say, where can I find a they feel like they need to have a transaction coordinator, an ops person, a success manager, a um, social media person, right? All of these mm. things. And, and I say, you know what? And they went and they want to go pay them 40 or $50,000 a year. And then they want to know why they're not profitable, right? Mm. And obviously you're uh, one of the main points you've been making all, um, all podcast long is being about lean, right? Mm. Lean all the way through. Yeah. And I always tell them, you, when you're recruiting, you're also trying to recruit talent, not just agents. And every single one of them, there isn't a city out here that doesn't have a university in it, right? Or a college. You go down there, you talk to the mark, the dean of marketing or business, and you say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Who do you think would might be a good fit? Do you have three or four names I could interview? And you find yourself an intern, right? That's how we found so many of the people who are part of our world right now. Mm-hmm. And so, and so give, give us a little bit of a story about how did you find your interns? Yeah. So you're absolutely 100% right um, on all of those things. And I definitely agree in being a lean business, having a lean database. O- other than my personal body being lean, I agree that everything else should be lean, right? Right there with um, you, brother. Yes, absolutely. Donuts are too good. I'm not going to be that lean. But yeah, so I would say for interns, so one of them was uh, uh, a 17-year-old from our church who was trying to make money, willing to drive around, had free time. She's homeschooled. Great. Do you want to run around and drop signs and do this and that? Absolutely. It's 20 bucks an hour. Great. The other one was a referral from someone in our database. And she's a a rising senior at Wake Forest University, really sharp, just needed something for the summer. And actually we've set it up where she can continue to work when she goes back to school, 20 bucks an hour. So the reason why I liked the internship, number one, is that they are willing to do pretty much anything, right? Mm -hmm. So that helps. Like you're not going to have pushback I'm too good for that, whatever. And and so that's really helpful. Number two, it's a variable expense. I don't want a fixed expense uh, as much as I can avoid it. And number three, they aren't relying on me to pay them to make a living, right? So my first employee ever was a single mom and she, I loved her, but she wasn't that great. And I held on to her for four and a half years, which was probably three and a half years too long. But it was really hard for me to get to the point to say, I'm really sorry, because I know this is how you provide for your family. I I just, this is not working. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I don't want to put myself in a position where I can't make the right decision for my business. So having, being lean, having the right people on full-time and then filling in with interns for me is super lean, very variable of an expense. And it doesn't give me the same pressure to be providing for them the way, you know, someone who's full-time and this is how they live. So I'm just trying to take that pressure off myself so I can make the wisest business decision that I can. Spoken like a true leader. I love it, man. That's awesome. Okay. So now, because I don't want to, I don't want to run up against time and then not be able to get this in. So tell me, um, for those who want to hear more from you, you have a podcast, right? Tell us a little bit about your podcast and, and what it's called, where we can find it. Yeah, man. So Serving Not Selling is the name of the podcast. Um, They can find it anywhere they listen. Uh, But yeah, we just talk about this, you know, our whole business is referral. We talk about how to refer people, like you said, uh, that come into me because yeah, I get that question a lot too. We talked about it pre-show, Andy, but of how do you pass people off that come to you? Um, And we have a lot of great people on there who just talk deeper and deeper into how do we just be relational? Um, Because I think especially 
as you know, as you know, Andy, especially in the market, the way it is, people are going to tighten their circle of trust. And sure. we need to be one of those people if we're going to su- survive and thrive when we bounce back. Absolutely. And we, we've been trying to push this and obviously like everything else, right? It goes slow until there's pain. But what yeah. we uh, what we always find is we're trying to tell people that the shift coming, right? Not just the shift in the market right now, but the shift in, in the real estate commission, right? How it's going to be mm. paid out going forward. Yep. And we're, we're, we're of a big belief that the real estate commission is will go away. Yeah. Right. To the real estate agents. And so we're trying to teach, train and equip our agents to not just be a real estate agent for the transaction of the buying or the selling of the home, but to what you're talking about is actually be an advocate and an advisor for them when it comes to all of the other things that are going to be necessary. Right. Yeah. To get dirty a little bit. Right. And say, no, you know what? I'm going to walk you through everything you need. And this doesn't stop when you buy your house. Right now, I reach out to you just like you do, right? On a monthly, quarterly basis to make sure that all the other things, insurance, right? Um, uh, um, warranties, all of uh, uh, refinancing, everything, right? Mm-hmm. That we are making sure that we're advising them all along the way. So that if they do decide to purchase or sell a home again, it's not even a question. I'm already, I already yep. got a person I'm working with. Absolutely. 100%. Right. And this is a way for those agents to stay in front of the clients. And we, you know, this, all things being equal. I'm choosing the relationship, right? Absolutely. Always. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yes. And, and yes. relationships are one of those things that, uh, you know what you can, it, that are, you don't have to write a check for it, right? Mm-hmm. You can actually go out and create it. And so everybody always says, Oh, I don't have enough money yet. When I have money, I'll do those things. No, you could be doing those things right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Seriously, so we have, you're all right. So I'll say super fast. So I spent 10 grand last year between me and my agent. We have 500 people in our database. That's 20 bucks a person for the entire year. That's it. So yep. that's just an excuse and a reason because it's fear of building a relationship. That is totally not true. I always say the real value that you provide someone is you being there in yep. front of them. The average person today, we don't have time. But the average person today has fewer than two close relationships, according to a 10,000 person survey, you need to be one of those. Yeah. You need to be one of those two, take the two to the three or two to the 10. You know, if you enter some community, that's how you grow your business. It doesn't require money. It just requires time and investment and care. Yeah. And you're going to be fine. We just overcomplicate relationships. (laughs) There you go. And that's a great point to end it on. We do. And I, but you know what? I will say this. I think at some point we, we overcomplicate things, but we do it because we self-sabotage. Because there's mm-hmm. safety in not having to grow. Absolutely. Right? True. And, 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 Absolutely and we, true. we create the excuses we then use, right? To, make, to, yep. to, to, to explain to the world why we don't have X, Y, or Z. Absolutely true. 100%, yep. man. I love this. This yep. was awesome. Garrett, yeah, I'm going to make sure I network me. with you. So I'm going to yeah, make sure to reach out to you myself. This is Let's awesome. We'd love yeah. to get you to Omaha for one of our workshops, maybe speak on yeah. it. Absolutely. And I know that either Jeff or I would absolutely love to be on your podcast sometime. This sounds awesome. Yeah, we'll make that happen, brother. Thank you so much, Andy. I enjoyed it a lot, brother, as always. Love you. Have a great afternoon, man. You too, buddy.